How are your teeth doing? Um, there was yucky stuff in there. Right. You good? Yes. Great. Yeah. We're great. recording. Cool. <laughs> great. episode of otaku yeah just really fucking right into it yeah um yeah so we got we're, we're like this is the second last episode for part three a recording episode podcast episode yeah yes really coming down to the wire it really is we finished we finally finished watching this again last night after all the bullshit happened yep Guess we'll get right into it then. Mm-hmm. So we're on episode forty-one, uh, which I lovingly nicknamed Dollface Cacuine. Yeah, I fucking hate how creepy that doll is, and it really doesn't do him any service because I mean, he's a good-looking boy. And it's... but the whole point of the dolls is to be creepy as fuck. True. Yeah. I mean, some of them are like not like some of them are weirdly anatomically, like fairly reasonable facsimiles of a human, whereas his is just this like. I mean, he still looks like a human. Yeah, but I mean... Just like, in doll form. Yeah. Like, like someone who doesn't have too much experience making dolls, but still makes them anyway. Like, despite despite his, his, his best efforts and everyone telling him to stop, he still does it. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Can we talk about how, um, in this episode, it's uh, Darby the Younger and Jojo playing a video game... And in in said video game, oh, that's baseball. That's a baseball. Um, you have to draw your players in. And so it's like their stands playing against each other. So Darby draws Star Platinum as the player for JoJo's team. Yes. And when we all know, we all know the scene where Star goes to pitch and it's just cake on cake on cake. Yeah, his butts. It's Darby's fault. Right. Like, he drew he drew that butt. It's absolutely a million percent his fault. So, yeah, it's just incredible. The incredible edible butt. Well, edible is a... <laughs> argue, arguable term. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, there's plenty of it. There's plenty of that cake to go around, so that's all I'll say. Like, are they looking at these games as though they're, like, the actual period... Uh, accurate games, or are they actually looking at them as though they're like super realistic looking? Because it's, it's kind of funny how they chose to to draw them as though they're like in. The they're in like game. the bottom of Dio's mansion. I don't think any rules apply. Hmm. So just get out of that headspace right now. Fair enough. And it's still kind of weird. Like, where the hell are they? Like in I mean, the bottom of Dio's mansion. So weird. Subspace Dio's mansion. Mm-hmm. You got bored one day and just like. Instead of putting in a sub-basement, he put in a sub-dimension. Well, I don't think it's a sub-dimension, because when they finally, like, get out, there's, like, a distinct hole. Right. He just, like, It's like Truman it. showed. Yeah. Yeah, that is weird. Yeah. He's just like, oh, hey, what a, what a convenient, literally, some a hole opened up in the wall, and we can crawl our, you know, our, our asses out. Right. Yeah, we were back where we started. I think it's hilarious in this episode that it becomes very, very obvious very quickly that JoJo's never played a video game in his fucking life. Right. Considering 
he's a delinquent in all intents and purposes, but like he's not that kind of delinquent. Like he's not going to skip class to go to the arcade. Right. He'll skip class because he doesn't want to see any of his fucking classmates and he'd rather just read a book. Yeah. Like he's that kind of delinquent. Yeah, just can't be bothered. Right. He, he just doesn't like people. So he'll just skip class to avoid people, but he'll still do all of his work and turn it in on time. Yeah, no, that makes sense. It's ridiculous. Yeah, and he's just like, he's like a delinquent by default almost or something. Like, he just gets grouped in with, like, he's just grouped in and it's in fall. Right, but he hates people so much that, like, he's like, you're going to group me in, really? Right, it's still so. And, like, gets mad about it. That's the whole thing. It's just one one troublesome thing after another. Like everything's just real annoying. Really annoying. Other than the implication of butts, the implication of God and heaven and hell kind of came to me in this episode because I mean it's a constant uh, presence throughout the series, plural. But anytime we literally just finished recording an episode last week where we were like, oh, I'm so glad this isn't very biblical. So expound on this, please. Well, it's just everyone gets their soul taken out of their body. Every bun. Yeah, every bun gets their buns taken out. Um, Not everyone gets their souls taken out. A bunch of people get their souls taken out of their body. Yeah, the standability like can do that. Right. But it's not the only time in other this series or other series that we've seen. You know, because it's it's like okay, what are stands? They're 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 the manifestation of the user's soul. Yeah. So okay, so that means that souls are real, and we've seen them either go to heaven. We haven't seen really anyone go down (laughs) from any of the the bad guys or good guys get killed. But it's always there's. I mean, I don't know if it's if it's supposed to just be visual metaphor or something, or if it's intentional. But so so, what are your thoughts on that? Like, is it, is Rocky, is he implying that there's heaven and hell with this whole thing? Because I know they throw hell around a lot. Great question. He's not here to answer it. What do you think? (laughs) I think there has to be some kind of connection with that. Okay. Because it's such, I don't know, biblical, visual metaphor. Like the, the clouds and people just being drawn up to heaven and stuff like that. I mean, being drawn up into the sky can be seen as a euphemism for being drawn up into heaven, but I'm not one to really interpret it that way. Okay, how do you interpret it? Not that way. It's just, there's something, like, um, ethereal about, like, either becoming one with the clouds or becoming one with nature again, or, like, being reduced to, like, a molecular level where you are, you know, at... you're like one with your surroundings so this is so you're saying it's more of just your the essence of yourself being released back into the world yeah right yeah i guess that makes sense i mean that's my interpretation i don't i don't necessarily believe in a heaven or a hell personally so my interpretation of these things where it shows any number of like souls getting sucked out. Like I do believe people have souls, but I also believe that the soul is like somewhere on a molecular level or an atomic level Hmm. or even a subatomic level. Like I think it's there. I think it's 
if we can get particles, if we can understand particles enough, I think we can understand the human soul. The soul, the psyche, I don't want to say the mind, but the mind to me is different than the brain. So maybe the mind. Hmm. That's interesting. I mean, I think Iraqi just, I, I, I don't believe in heaven or hell either, obviously. Right. You know, but um, I'm thinking. That... And I know like Christianity is like kind of a thing in Japan, but I believe that like, you know, like Buddhism and Shintoism and that kind of stuff really is still very much more prevalent than like Western European religion. Yes. So, I don't know. If I were to wager a guess, I wouldn't automatically wager that he's, like, thinking of it in, like, a biblical way. I mean, I, I agree with that. I don't, I was just conjecturing. I don't think that he, I don't think the natural, most obvious answer is heaven and hell either. I just think it's an interesting allegory, but. It is, and I think a lot of Western cultures do perceive, like, oh, you're getting uh, drawn into the clouds or your soul, like, evaporates upwards. That means you're going to heaven. Right when like i don't know i guess quantumly or whatever like heaven isn't really like an established place it's just like a i don't know i'd 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 venture to say it's like a state of being yeah it's like your soul's either being tortured for all of eternity or it's not so Hmm. it's it's more of a state of being than than a physical or even ethereal place Hmm. Astral. Astral. Astral place. I mean, yeah, I guess the the quantum nature of reality is is real, and every bit of your body is quantumly entangled in some way with a whole bunch of other stuff in every place in the universe simultaneously, technically. Like, when you think, when you think to yourself and you're having thoughts, like you hear a voice in your head, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Some people doesn't, but like some people don't though. Some people doesn't. That's true. <laughs> and I just recently learned about that. Yeah, I mean that's just like this year. Really? Yeah, I think I did too. I don't think they really. Started. That was like a big thing this year. Was like some people don't actually hear, like a voice in their head when they think, which is bizarre to me because I. That's how I interpreted like the mind and the brain being two completely separate entities. Yeah, I mean, there's an entire like there's an entire branch of of study in science that's dedicated. I mean, that's the difference between. It's probably what I should have done with my life. I probably should have gone into that branch of study instead of what I did. I don't know. I mean, you you, you usually enjoy what you do. So. Yeah, I'm not saying I don't enjoy myself. Yeah. But I feel like I I gave a lot of that a lot of thought back in college. And I probably should have just gone there. But then again, I was raised to believe that uh, I was too stupid to uh, pursue anything heavily scientific. So that's cool. I think that's a big loss for everybody because you're hella smart. Right. Mm. Well, debatable. But yeah, no, I get your point. Um, but I, I don't know. I think it's an interesting thought. And I, I, I think it's probably if we were to just without Iraqi's input um conjecture it's probably more aligned with the shinto buddhist nature of things where it's just their souls and their essence being re-released into you know, right because their physical bodies 
the majority of them, I'm talking like Darby the Elder and Darby the Younger, like the majority of the souls that they've captured, the physical bodies are are supposedly no longer intact. Yeah. That's what I would wager. I know that Japan takes their ghost stuff real serious. Oh, yeah. So the whole, I mean, that's the entirety of the anime Bleach is basically that. It's all these these souls that have been trapped Mm. in, you know, wandering the plains of Earth when they should have moved on mm. and it sounds like a real good time right <laughs> yeah it's usually not but like that's the that's the problem is that they're retained beyond when they should have and then they're they turn evil basically they, they get corrupted so yeah it's probably that it's probably like the, the purity of, i mean that's a that's not just like a japanese ghost belief i think that's ingrained in most cultures regarding ghosts like if you're if you're not a physical being any longer, but you're trapped in the physical world, like it distorts you and warps you to the point where, to use one reference, like in Supernatural, they talk about ghosts being trapped between like our world and the afterlife and how they just become like angrier and angrier because there's like, they're, like it just corrupts, it corrupts them. Right. To the point where, like, they just become, like, vengeful spirits just for no reason other than the fact that they're, like, just existing between planes of existence. Yeah. I mean, maybe that's, like, some... Maybe the madness is derived from a loss of one's self. Like, the... like you Probably. Know, talking about, you know, even just the, the, the voice in your head that constitutes as yourself in some way. Maybe a ghost who lost... Who maybe retained that, but lost... The physical, which we take for granted, is enough to make them slowly, you know, lose their sanity. You know what makes me slowly lose my sanity? What? When Joseph decides to break the fourth wall. Mm, Which is, yes, 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 oh my god, in episode 42. Yeah, that was was pretty funny, but it was really stupid. I can't believe we didn't notice that on the first watch through. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that we didn't notice. On that's the first very, yeah, I know, but that seems so obvious now that we like saw it again, and it's just like, okay, we really, we really missed that whole fourth wall break there. So, all right, refresh my memory because he does it twice in this episode, doesn't he? Like, there's one at the beginning and then there's one at the end where. I don't remember. I have down that um, that Darby goes, "Are you gonna aura aura me?" Yeah, and, that's right. <laughs> and then Joseph is like, "Yes, yes, yes. Oh my god!" And they literally break through a wall yeah that show was pretty fucking funny like all in that like succinct order and you were just like dude they literally just broke the fourth wall yeah. and broke a wall like yeah. it's all tied together yeah it has to be that's them jumping the shark like that's the i think this anime jumped the shark fucking ages ago yeah but this is i don't know it was just it was just perfect sequence of events yeah you want to talk jumping the shark and like age shit like let's discuss how Dio talks like he probably would have like a hundred fucking years ago that he definitely did talk like a hundred fucking years ago right. based on the snippets that we've like listened to with like meme compilations and stuff like he definitely did a whole Kono Dio whatever 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 like mm-hmm. way and we picked up on that so much in this episode and we're just like yeah he talked like that a hundred years ago and clearly nothing's changed yeah plus it's really funny because he's He's sitting there, every scene we see of him basically is him like studying and reading and all this stuff, but his dumbass still when he goes outside for the first time is like talking about, you know, cars as though they're carriages and shit. 
I mean, yeah, man is stuck in his ways. I think he's that much of a diva, though. I don't think it's really like he doesn't understand. I think he's that much of a fucking diva. That he just refuses. Yes. To change yes. Himself. He's like he's like once I once I control the world with my stand, like I won't have any use for anybody's bullshit anymore, and I'm just gonna keep on doing me. But like, what is even? His ultimate, like, is he, because he wasn't trying to kill everybody all the time, like, instantly. I mean, he wasn't cars. Right. So, in that way. But he just, he definitely, like, says, like, in the next handful of episodes that he wants to control the world, and, like, that's his ultimate goal. Right. And just basically use humans as feeding stock. I mean, probably. Which is, like, you. Not as bad as cars, but also not better than cars. It's just, it's just funny because it's like, hey, man, like, there's a lot of people, and you're just one guy. But I stand cars way more than I stand you. Yeah, you do. Yeah. You think that's the butt shots? No. No? I don't think it has anything to do with butts. Because hmm. Dio has a lot of butt shots in, like, the last four episodes. True. But he's usually wearing more clothing in those butt shots. It's true. But he also is wearing some outfit that literally, like, frames his fucking crotch bulge, like... Loincloths just don't do that. It's true. Yeah. And it's I, it's not about that for me. I don't know. It's fun sometimes to leave a little bit of the imagination, Dio says. <laughs> Dio's like, oh, it's the 1980s? Guess I should dress the part. Here, put, put me in some dainty metal shoes. Yes. That are going to look horrible to walk in. I think, I don't know. I guess it's probably because Cars was so short-lived and... Part of me still thinks that there was, like, there could have been some element of humanity left in him. Um, but, like, with Dio, it's it's just blatantly obvious that all he wants out of life is to control Jonathan's body and destroy the Joestar bloodline. Because they were nice people and took him in as a youth. Right. And we were just talking about this yesterday, again, because, like, what the fuck is the guy's problem? Like, for real, though. Like, I get that he had a messed up childhood and his dad was a piece of shit, but they've only ever been nice to him. And he just came out, he came out the carriage. He came out literally swinging. Right. Like, Jonathan, I'm going to fuck your world up. Kill your dog. Here's a meteor dog's face. Right. <laughs> like, <laughs> just, just to have it. Yeah, I guess, I don't know. I guess it's just a Rocky, like, trying to write, like, a clear and present villain where it's very obvious that Dio does not give a single fuck about anybody but himself. And anybody that tries to help him, Dio's still going to be like, fuck you, I don't need your help. Or I don't want your help, or both. I think, honestly, like, and this is a thought I just had, um, it might unfortunately just be that at the time, a Rocky's writing wasn't... So great, and maybe that was his. But think about it. This is a this is a this is a villain who has not. Uh, don't want to go down this road because on screen, like in the anime, we never saw Dio um, physically abusing anyone, any human. We do see dead people in his mansion, but we don't see him physically abusing people. We don't necessarily see him verbally abusing people. Um, unless they try to belittle him or kill him to begin with. Right. Uh, in this part, in part one, obviously he belittled Jonathan as much as he fucking could. Um, we don't... Like, he's just a villain in that he literally only cares about himself. And 
getting what he wants. And I don't think that's bad writing. I think I think it actually says a lot about Iraqi that Iraqi was like, I don't need to show him physically murdering like shit tons of people. Like he probably did. We'll hint at it, but I don't need to show that for people to be like, oh, I get it. He's like a bad guy. Well, I just meant his like forming. Like like I mean, if, if, if you look at it, black and white, it's kind of. It's, it, I just wish there was maybe a little bit more sometimes for his reasoning for loathing the Joe Star bloodline like so thoroughly and utterly. He had to. He he was trapped in a casket with Jonathan Joe Star's body for a hundred years as a head. I think yeah. you might come to loathe somebody. So you think he. And also, I think I think that loathing began, you know, before Jonathan even died. It's very obvious that Jonathan was, like, really just trying to help Dio and trying to get him to, like, stop being such shit. And Jonathan was the exact antithesis to Dio. I mean, he was, like, believing in people and, like, wanting to see the good in people and wanting to do the right thing. And Dio was just, like, literally out for himself. So he probably felt belittled. And I, I think Dio just had such a fucked up childhood, like there was no going back, which sucks. But does it make a villain? Yes. Does it make a good villain? Debatable. I mean, I, I, I believe that he is a good villain, very good villain, but I just, I don't know, sometimes the introduction to him, looking back, it's like looking back in context with everything that's occurred since then with the character, it just feels a little, I don't know. They rushed for the, the zero to 60 of the, the the hatred for. But, I mean, it works now, especially at this point where we're at in the story, you know, the, the very end of part three. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. I do wish we had seen more of Dio in part three, and I do wish we had seen, like, more of his, I don't know, like, inner turmoil or tormented soul, if you will, as to, like, why he just really, really, really hates the Joe Stars, like, that fucking much. Like, what happened in that coffin at the bottom of the ocean in 100 years? Like, what happened? What it, What were Dio's thoughts? Like, like, how did his turmoil, like, fester and blister into, like, this just scathing hatred of all Joe Stars? You know, like, it's it's kind of cool that it's left up to our imagination, because, hi, writer. Mm-hmm. But also, like, I don't mind, like, the, the OP, like, filling in the blanks, you know? Right. It's just, I mean, it's interesting. It's, it's like, was this intentional, or was it just... Happenstance. Him writing at the time, and it being the 80s, and just throw it at the wall until it sticks kind of mentality that a lot of manga has had. Can we talk about throwing... Um, like fucking people's names at the wall and seeing if they stick because why why even bother like calling Kenny G Billy Jean in subtitles slash dubs? Right. This is I feel like the weirdest substitution, non-substitution. Like everything else that we've seen in every series so far of this fucking show has been with the explicit intent of avoiding copyright. And it's right. Either, but also it's either artists second or, place. What's to what this one or to this one? Second place is Dan of Steel, because you didn't even really fucking try. Right, but Kenny G, recording artist. Yeah, let's not use that. Billy Jean, 
pretty recognizable song. Number one hit from one of the world's most popular recording artists of all time. Yeah. That's that's fine. That one's fine. But but Aerosmith or some derivative of that was better than oh hang on. That was better than Lil Bomber. I mean we haven't got there yet, but there's just there's a million examples of how they could have done those better. And then for them to just be like, Yeah, yeah, Billy Jean's good. That's fine. Billy Jean's fine. Why? It's just it's insane to me. It's just yeah, it's literally like what what's the what's the absolute least we can do to get around copyright, but also like how are we gonna make this really obnoxious? Yeah, they did it. They nailed yeah. it. But um yeah, speaking of the guy with Kenny G slash uh, Billy Jean, probably probably my favorite. I don't know if it was intended to be comedic or not moments from this part of the arc, but when he ends up getting shoved in the fucking casket, and he's like, "It was me the whole time." It was me. I was in the casket. Yeah. <laughs> like was... that's actually no. And I remember watching this the first time, being like, "Whoa, that's super fucked up." Like, how did that even happen? Because mm-hmm. literally one second he's like opening the coffin, and the next second he's in it, like all bloody, like his jaws like dislocated and stuff, and he's just like, "It was me the whole time. I was in here the whole time." It's super fucked up. Yeah. Like it's real. It's that's like a total like mind fuck. Like that is. Yeah. I was just like, what is happening? How did that happen? Right. Like, what's going on? So that's what I. I guess that's like what I mean with Dio as a character. It's like he has maybe there's some elements to him in his backstory that are what I would consider slightly lackluster. But the first watch through of of part three before you know what's going on with the world, like there's a lot of moments where you're just like. What the fuck is happening? And I really appreciate that. Right. No, I, I think that's great. Because, like, you as the viewer, you're really trying to figure out, like, what the fuck is this stand? Mm-hmm. And, like, the the guys are trying to figure out, what the fuck is this stand? Yeah. Like, nobody knows. Mm-hmm. They've got zero intel on this stand. We have no knowledge of this stand other than its name. Yeah. Cause pretty most, much at this point. Most of the other stands are... There's an initial mystery to how they work, but within, you know, a, an episode at most, they figure out. Exactly yeah, exactly. Even if, they, if it takes longer than that to defeat them, they they figure it out before then. Yeah, but this drags. I mean, it's literally been 42 episodes, and we still don't know what the fuck the world does. Mm-hmm. But somehow, you know, it's like the most dangerous stand that we've ever seen. Right. Well, I think it's the scariest because, again, at this point, we don't know what it does. Right. And that's actually pretty important. I wouldn't say the most dangerous, because at this point, Dio is still not at full strength. True. So, I think at this point, Vanilla Ice's, or Cool Ice's stand is probably the most dangerous. And fucking horrifying. Yeah. Jesus Christ. It can literally devour itself and its user without harming the user, but then the way it attacks is it devours space and physical objects like easily yeah and puts them in a void somewhere which sounds really just too much like okiasu's the hand yes yeah that's and it's i mean so we're actually but we have already we've already acknowledged that araki borrows a lot from himself right which is fine and it's funny because of how different 
these stands kind of come across otherwise, but at the at the end of it, that the, the effective use of the power boiled down is like the exact same, right? Yeah. But the presentation is the could presentation not be, could not be more dif- different, right? It's yeah, it's like a it's like a five star restaurant versus a three star restaurant. Like the presentations are gonna be wildly different, but when it comes down to it, mac and cheese is fucking mac and cheese. And they're probably like, oh, it's gonna be dank. Yeah. Really good. In different ways. Yeah. Yeah, but um, I don't know. There's been so many creepy-ass stands, but this one is, I don't know. It's, I think, I feel like it feeds on some kind of elemental fear. Yeah. It, it, it very much so, I mentioned Like, this. where do we go when we die? Yeah. And what happens if only my hands are left? God. Yeah. That's Said Abdal. That's the worst thing, too, is that he eats everything but Abdal's hands and shares abilities with the hand. Okiasu's stand in part four. Mmm, mmm, love yeah. that delicious detail. Can we also talk about how in episode 43, um, self-titled Polner of Screams, that um, Vanilla Ice is seriously just fucking up Dio's mansion with his stand. Right. Like, just fucking pulverizing this fucking mansion. Mm-hmm. One floor down from where he's quietly and calmly just trying to read a fucking book. Just enjoying a night in. In the dark. With his book. Well, an evening in, because it's still dusk at this point. Right. An evening with Dio. An evening with Dio and his books. Right. But it's funny because they keep, like, like I feel like two or three times they cut back to, like, a, a, a picture, a little vignette of Dio just, like, trying desperately to not lose his shit in his chambers. And he's just, like, still at this point slightly in the shadows of his face and just sitting on the bed. And just, like, we're both imagining him just seething. Just like he's <laughs> trying to focus on the words on the page, but in the, in the back of his mind, he's like, oh, "It's going to cost me so much in damages." Right. This is like a like a. It looks like it's got to be like a ten million dollar mansion or some shit. If like at, at least, least yeah. yeah. And and he's just literally destroying it, mm-hmm. eating chunks of it as he rolls around. And he yeah. Does eventually, he does eventually be like, "Hey." Because in episode forty five, we get a new rule, and it's climb those stairs. That's right. Yeah. So that's when he finally comes out as once once Vanilla Ice is defeated. Mm-hmm. Um, but it takes some time, and at this point, Polnareff and Iggy are still alive and trying to defeat Vanilla Ice despite Iggy getting the shit kicked out of him. Right. Like, he already had gotten the shit kicked out of him by, um, what's his name, the, the hawk. Or the, uh, well, yeah, he, like, lost a part of his front leggy and, like... He wasn't in great shape, but Vanilla Ice really does a number on Iggy. Yeah, he just walks over and completely like kicks whales, the shit out of Yeah, him. whales on him, literally. Yeah. And so Iggy's like really much just worse for wear at this point. Um, and yet he still is trying to fight slash save Polnareff for whatever fucking reason. Someone figured that out. Um, yeah. Of all, the, of all the characters that he could have. And I thought it was. For. I thought it was interesting because i noticed it the first time we watched as well that like while vanilla ice is is kicking the shit out of iggy he's like standing right in front of the windows like the open windows Mm -hmm. while the sun's still up and we saw dio like change vanilla ice yeah like feed him his blood after he chopped off his own head in servitude which is like number one best way that's like that's like the capital t way capital w to get turned into vampire like, everyone knows that. Everybody knows that. It's, it's Vampire 101. Right. Everybody. So 
the fact that he's like standing there, but then you pointed out on this viewing that like, oh, Vanilla Ice's teeth change. Right. Like from, from one scene close up of his face to another, like it goes away to something and then it goes up back to his face and then all of a sudden he's, look at my tiny teeth. Yeah. And I, I, like, I was like, is that intentional? Because I mean, there's... It is. Right. And it was. It has to be. Yeah, it definitely was. But you know, there's a lot of stuff in, in, in this show and in anime in, in general like, where they have different artists working on scene to scene. I was like, Very true. You know, sometimes it could just be coincidental. And sometimes they do that shit with just for effect. I but, think at this point in this anime, like everything has to be super deliberate, mm-hmm. like including the fact that that Polnareff uses Darude's sandstorm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Aaron Hansen. Yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, Iggy actually like helps Polnareff kind of escape. Um, vanilla ice by using the fool which is essentially just sand Mm -hmm. but it it really they use it um to figure out where the where the stand where vanilla ice's stand actually is because when it's doing its weird void thing like you can't actually see where it is so by swirling all the sand in the air and everything they're like able to discern exactly where it is and kind of hedge their bets on um, avoiding it, which right. is actually really smart. It's probably the smartest thing that Polnareff's done all season. No, I was going to say, I'm pretty sure that was probably not Polnareff's idea. Yeah, I thought, I had that thought as I was speaking. Yeah. I'm like, uh, I know she's going to try. Heard you loud and clear. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Listen, I'm, I am, I feel like we've hated on Polnareff for like 40, uh, 44 episodes now. Is it ever enough? Though? Yeah. Not yet. Uh, can, okay, <laughs> so let's, so, Obviously, Iggy kind of fucking eats it. Iggy die, I cry. Yeah, Iggy die, Greg cry. And that's episode 44, right? Yeah. Like, it's shown, and this is kind of goes back to, like, what we were first talking about with, like, souls and everything, and, like, stuff getting drawn into, like, the clouds and and characters, like... It's definitely poignant. Yeah. It's very poignant. No, it is. And it was actually pretty fucking sad watching it on the rewatch of... You know, Iggy kind of disappearing alongside Abdal while, you know, Polnareff is fucking dismembered and discombobulated after killing Vanilla Ice. He's missing missing most of the toes on one foot, missing like two fingers. fingers. Like his chunk takes. He's just really, really, really like close to death somehow. But, um,. This is also where we kind of started talking about where we noticed that almost all of the protagonists die protecting someone else. And this will be brought up in like a different episode uh, that we have a guest on that'll be uploaded at a much later date. But uh, like George, George the first dies protecting Jonathan, I'm fairly sure, or one of his butlers or somebody in the mansion when like, Dio fires a gun, I think? No, or, like, stabs him with a sword, something. He's sta- yeah, he's, he's to be protected. Jonathan. Caesar protected Joseph in a way. Yeah. And, and there was a lot of that in that. Abdal very blatantly protected Polnareff and Iggy, mm-hmm. and Iggy protected Polnareff. That's a very popular shonen trope. But, I mean, and so I kind of, I feel like I've probably watched more full-on shonen you have. anime than you have. That's been established. Yeah. So, I kind of expect that a little bit. The whole, 
sacrifice yourself. My body moved on its own. Like, why did you why did you save me? Why did you jump in front? I couldn't control. I just moved on my own. And like, you know, like dying for your bro, all that stuff. Yeah. Right. Hell yeah. But I feel like Joe JoJo as a series does it in a slightly different way. I don't know. It's it's Yeah, no, it does. Because no one's like, oh no, I didn't mean to do that. They're all like, no, I definitely meant to fucking right. jump in front of that. They never once pull that shit. Yeah. I've never seen it with I any definitely meant to push you out the fuck out of the way. I definitely meant to jump in front of this. Like right. there's no like, oh no, I have no idea what happened. It just like even with um Zeppeli the first, he's mm-hmm. like, no, I definitely meant to get yanked and twain by chains. Yeah, I mean, he, he kind of sees it almost as like a four, like a fortune, like he for, for, you know, portends it or whatever. Yeah, I mean, he saw his fate. Yeah, so that was messed up, but he was like, eh, all right, when it's your time, it's your time. When it's your time, it's your time. And it's going to be to help my bros, then you know what? Yeah. I'm going to help my bros and this one random kid that's hanging out for no reason. I think it was kind of strange that episode 44, like kind of almost the end point of it, takes us away from all the action and back to Japan where Suzy Q, everyone's favorite Italian airhead, um, is in, she's in Japan and she's being a total fucking tourist about it. And her two like bodyguards, I guess, like Rosas and whoever the fuck else it is, they're like... You need to tell her about her daughter. She's going to fucking find out that her daughter's fucking dying. She's not going to be happy. And Rosas is like, I just can't. And meanwhile, Suzy Q is like getting threatened by some fucking Japanese mafia guy on the sidewalk because she's like video filming, like just completely. She's being being an asshole. She's being completely obnoxious. Yeah. And she, she must have gotten that from Joseph, like honestly, because I don't understand the utter lack of respect for Japanese culture between the two of them. Like it has to come from him. Yeah, it's it's strange. <laughs> based based on his like utter his his whole like Holly, you need like an actual bed. Holly, move into a real house. Holly, I'm not gonna drink your tea. Where's the fucking coffee, Holly? Right, like it's it's very intentional. Yeah, you know, and I don't know if it's if it's a and slight. the fact that he wailed on that Japanese guy at the end of part two, like yeah. come the fuck on, dude. It's got to be some not so subtle nod with the whole, um, you know, we're not. Uh, I know you wanted to talk about what Susie Q has with her in this particular like series of scenes and how we're both like, what the fuck? Mm. I mean, can we talk about that? Yeah. I mean, just don't. So just, just keep in mind, she's got a fucking turtle with her and future developments in this show, not this series, but other future series. I just, Parts. It's the same series, it's just different parts. Okay. Um, Let's just say that there's a a big big chunk of of one of them in particular that deals with Turtle. And I was just like, it's possible that it's the same fucking Turtle. And you were like, I don't know. But you're like, unless, and I'm like, yeah, unless. Because who knows? Because it's the family Turtle or something. So we've we've seen that Stand, some stand users can live well over 100 years right. if they're part vampire. We've seen some stand users that barely make it to, like, 85. And the aging is weird. And, yeah. like, they get super senile and just really, really just mentally gone. Like, disastrous. Yeah. And I think that's also probably part of the slapstick nature yeah, I, yeah, it's it's hard to say like where if it's like a consistency thing or if it's just intentional for the for the laughs. It's probably intentional. Yeah, but 
I don't know. It's hard to tell sometimes with some of these things, especially it watching it the way that we have, kind of all, all out of order at first and then kind of going back through it now. And yeah. It's like, I don't think we would have had, if we had strictly watched this once through in order from one to five, you know, mm-hmm. I don't think it would have been nearly as many of these things where we're just like, hmm, what was up with that? Right. Yeah, I think if we had watched it in order from the get-go and we were just like, we're going to just do a fucking podcast, um, it probably would have been a little bit better for us. But I also feel like this has been really beneficial because we are getting to see a lot more um, things that we probably missed on the first watch-throughs. Well, yeah, like a ton. So I am I am excited to watch, like, parts four and five again. I know you're keeping, like, can we part four again? Can we start part four again? I'm just like, oh, we need to fucking record first. I know. I like, know, I'm, I'm two days behind now because this isn't going to get uploaded till Wednesday of this week. So, hi, happy Wednesday. Um, And it's just, it is what it is. My work schedule got fucking switched around and shit's happened and I have to sneeze. <laughs> Bless you. My headphones almost came off. I have to Sorry. It's okay. Um, but yeah, my last my last thought, my last deep pondering thought during this whole ordeal with Holly being on her actual fucking deathbed and Susie Q flying in from New York City to Japan to see her daughter because she actually she has a moment of insight where she's like very lucid and very like I know my daughter's sick. I know Joseph isn't. Like, normally as secretive as he is, and everything's weird right now, I'm not fucking dumb, and it's like, well, you're kind of dumb. Where the fuck is Holly's husband? I don't know. He's a traveling musician, and yet, like, nobody managed, either managed or tried to tell him. Hey, your wife's dying. Yeah, by the BT dubs. You're... Like, no details, but your wife is fucking dying. It has been, for the better part, two months at this point. Yeah. Like... Are you shitting me? That like, and they're obviously very well off. Yeah. And they have all this money. Like, he could have easily gotten back. Like, hey guys, sorry, I gotta like postpone the second half of my tour real quick. Um, wife's dying. Right. Wife is dying from some mythical arcane. He doesn't. He didn't need to know that. Right. Well, just dying. No amount. No amount of money in modern science can seem to help her. Yeah. So it's probably COVID. <sighs> It probably is. It's probably COVID. That's all stands are. We just, our bodies are too weak to manifest. No, let's, mm, let's deviate from that track of thinking. Mm. Uh, yeah, that was my last major, like, underline, like, where the fuck is Mr. Cucho? I don't know. And it never gets brought up ever. I don't know. Unless he's some, Absent fathers are a recurring, um, theme. Yeah. Which sucks. Big time. I mean, even... I mean, for basically any and all of these shows, that's a huge... Yeah, uh, big shonen trope. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah, you gotta have it. Oh, Araki was like, let's literally make him physically absent and, like, never once show him. Right, not even emotional. Take that. Yeah, not even just the, your usual... <laughs> not even, like, JoJo's absence. thinking about, like, the last time he saw his dad or anything. It's just like, nope, dad, just not there. Yeah, <laughs> never happened. Right. Don't got a dad. He's a figment of everyone's imagination. Yeah, his dad's a stand. Um, any last thoughts, comments, queries, conundrums? No, I'm just, I'm just happy that we're, uh, we're up, we're coming up on it. This is going to be the last one after this. Coming so. up on it. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. I'm super fucking tired. So I'm going to end this episode. I'm very itchy as well. 
All right. Well, that's that. Um, the last episode of Stardust Crusaders will be up hopefully um, this Friday of this week, September 18th, before I go put on my dirndl dress and drink a lot of fucking Oktoberfest beer. So, yeah, you guys, stay tuned. Thanks for listening. It's been a wild ride. Yeah. We coming up on it. Catch you later.